Welcome to Wiseish with Dr. Kavita Sun. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you all the tools that I learned over the last 10 plus years to be able to go from feeling overwhelmed emotionally and struggling in my relationships to now being able to have emotional maturity, steadiness and thriving relationships and to be able to set and achieve big goals. It took me a long time and a lot of trial and tribulation to get to this point. And my goal in sharing this podcast is to hopefully shorten your time gap to get to where you want to go. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up my friends? I hope you are having a wonderful day. Happy Thursday. I'm recording this at 5:00 in the morning sitting in my car <laughs> in the garage. Um you might be wondering why? Why are you doing this at 5:00 in the morning? Well, because my daughter is asleep and so there's quiet. <laughs> There is pin drop silence in the house. Um and even more so in the garage and even more so inside my car in the garage. So, I decided to record the podcast here. Um hopefully that will help even more with the sound quality. <laughs> Today, I wanted to touch on what happens when someone triggers us. someone or something triggers us what is that about and how can we use that in a way that benefits us and reduces our suffering is that even possible can you get triggered and actually have it be for good right people talk about how can you reduce your feeling of being triggered how can you manage triggers but i'm going to ask you how can you use triggers as a gift and if you're thinking what what does that even mean how is that possible let me share with you a little analogy okay I believe that you can only get triggered if you already have a minefield inside of you with receptors for that trigger. What do I mean by that? Let me explain. So listen. If someone came into this garage right now as I'm sitting here recording this, someone came in and said, "Hey, Covey, you are a scarecrow." Okay? I would do exactly what I'm doing right now as I'm saying it. I would probably chuckle. I would think that they were being silly or teasing me or um at worst, maybe they were having a psychotic break. <laughs> I certainly would not take that personally or get all worked up about being called a scarecrow. Why is that? Because to me that doesn't it doesn't um poke at any wound that I have inside of me. Right? If I don't have a wound already inside of me, 
then、uh, those words won't poke me. They may annoy me a little bit. I might roll my eyes, but I'm not going to be fuming about anything that enters my psyche or my world unless I already have a wound that it poked. So, for example, with the same scarecrow comment, right? What if I had, I don't know, had、um, an encounter with a medical illness a few years ago, let's say, and this was a really scary time. It it frightened me. I、um, lost a lot of weight, and I. Didn't know why the doctors weren't listening to me. I was feeling dismissed and ignored. I was losing weight really rapidly, and <clears throat> maybe a friend or a relative called me a scarecrow. Said, "Hey, you know, it's in your head. You just you look like a scarecrow. You need to eat more." And it turned out. That I actually had X disease, a rare disease, and it was finally discovered. Finally, I felt like people were listening to me. I had my sanity back. I had my treatment, and I got better. Imagine if this had happened to me a few years ago, and now someone came in into the garage as I'm recording this and called me a scarecrow. Do you think I'd be able to chuckle and just roll my eyes, or just be curious? Likely not. Why? Because I already have a wound for that stimulus that's coming in. That wound is going to get poked, and if I am not aware that I have that wound, what I'm going to end up doing is one of three things. Okay. I'm either going to displace it, which means I'm going to take that hurt and throw it out into the world. I might do this by yelling at the person who used that word, or I might end up venting to a friend or a therapist about how terrible people are and. How dare she say this? And she's just such a mean person. She always has been that way. And remember the other time when she did this, and this other time when she said that, right? So there are various forms of displacement. I might go and randomly yell at my daughter or my pet as a way to discharge that emotion. As a way to discharge and get rid of that hurt, so that's one way I could deal with feeling triggered is displacing. The second one is suppressing, right? That's where we pretend it didn't even bother us. We just swallow it, right? We just swallow it. We ignore it. We rationalize it. And the problem here is, if that's our go-to, we will end up feeling resentful and taken advantage of, and our anger will seep out 
in passive-aggressive ways. We may not directly displace it, but the resentment is like an emotional pressure cooker, right? At some point, it has to start seeping out. And it will. And because it seeps out, it will end up having the energy of passive-aggressive passive-aggressive um, sort of leaks, if you will. Okay? So that's the second way. Suppression, making you an emotional pressure cooker filled with resentment that then leaks out as sudden unrelated outbursts or leaks of passive aggression. Okay? The third way that we can deal with a trigger is to distract. Distraction is a very, very um, ubiquitous thing in modern life because modern society just provides us with a buffet options, buffet of options for distracting ourselves, right? We could use social media. We could um, eat some ice cream. We could watch a show. We could watch porn. We could um, go shopping, right? We could play video games. There's just an endless supply of things to distract ourselves with that themselves are very addicting. So not only do they successfully distract us from our own truths and from the quietness that we need to be able to heal, they also keep us distracted once we get in because they're so addicting. So these are the three ways that we can and we often do deal with feeling triggered, right? We displace it, we suppress it, and then later burst over unrelated things or leak out in passive aggression, or we distract ourselves constantly to the point that many of us, including myself for a long time, don't even know what we're feeling. We've lost touch with even knowing our inner world. What's happening in there? We don't know because we're so far removed because of all the layers of habitual distraction that we have built as a way to, quote-unquote, protect ourselves from having to feel anything, especially uncomfortable things. The problem here is that, one, you get further and further and further away from being with yourself, which is dangerous because the more you run, the faster you have to run, right? The more you run, the more scared you are about slowing down because you don't know how to anymore. And so you have to keep running and you have to run faster, which the modern world is very happy to supply you with endless plethora of options to do. So guess what? You become less able to stay calm and you become more and more frantic 
And we all live with this sort of like this constant hum of anxiety in our background. And we think that's coming from our life circumstances or our emotions, but no, it's actually coming from the way we have habitually run away from our feelings and used one of these three mechanisms to not have to feel our feelings. It actually makes us more frantic and less centered. So, my chosen one, <laughs> my chosen drug of choice was um, suppression and distraction. I haven't, um, I, I don't tend to use displacement as much, but I was a master at suppression, master at suppression and distraction. And here's the thing. That helped me at some point. When I was younger, right, shit happened that I didn't know what to do with. I just didn't have the tools to be able to deal with them. And I was helpless. I was at the mercy of the adults in my life at the time who themselves didn't know how to deal with their feelings. And so the best I could do to be able to survive is to suppress it and to distract myself. So I want you to know that if you're using one or more of these three ways of dealing with triggers, it's because it served you sometime in the past, but now it's become a liability. And second, it only means that you don't know yet the tools to be able to reconnect with yourself and reclaim your freedom. Reclaim your emotional freedom. You just don't have the tools yet. And so you go back to the old tools that worked once upon a time. Knowing somewhere deep inside that they're actually harming you now, but you don't know what else to do. So have some grace for yourself, right? It doesn't mean anything about you. It means you're doing a logical thing. You're just reaching for what worked in the past. And you just need better tools now. Okay. So what can we do instead of displacing, suppressing, and constantly distracting. What we need to do is first to understand that emotions, the word emotions means energy in motion. I want you to really hear that feelings and emotions are actually just sensations in your body. They are wanting to pass through you, okay? They are made to pass through you. When we don't allow them to pass through and we block them by either trying to get rid of them and displace them or by suppressing them or by constantly distracting ourselves, all of these actually trap 
the emotion inside our body. The energy hasn't fully processed and passed through us, right? When that happens, you actually end up with a trigger. Now, this person who just came into my garage and called me a scarecrow, this memory will become a new source of hurt inside my heart and will become another thing that I can get triggered by in my future, right? Because I haven't processed the energy of the feelings that are brought up. I just went to one of the three um, mechanisms by which I try to get rid of it. And because I'm trying to get rid of it, what you resist persists, right? Because I'm trying to get rid of it, it actually gets locked. The energy gets locked and blocked inside of me. And it stays inside of me as a trigger for the future. Okay? So the answer is to learn how to process energy that is emotion and let it pass through you. The first step in doing that is to be able to even recognize that an emotion is passing through you, right? For many of us that have been using one of the three ways of um, dealing with triggers all of our lives, sometimes we don't even know what we're feeling. We just have something happen to us and then we react. There's no space in between. There is no awareness that we've been triggered and that a feeling is coming up. We just immediately go to reaching for one of our drugs, right? We immediately go to shooting up with either displacement, suppression or distraction. And it's so fast that if someone would ask us, we might not even remember what feeling we have. We just have opinions about the world. Opinions are not feelings. If I say, well, I just think people are so selfish. That's not a feeling. That's an opinion. That's a belief about the world. My feeling when someone comes in right now into the garage and calls me a scarecrow, my feeling maybe anger, maybe anxiety, maybe hurt, maybe fear, because it reminds me of when I had the medical illness diagnosis. It may be uh, shock and surprise, right? Notice that these are all actual feeling words. They're not thoughts and beliefs that are dressed up as feelings. Okay? I used to say, for a long time, if someone asked me what I feel, I would start with, I feel like. I feel like no one cares. I feel like this world is, you know, going downhill. I feel like people are selfish. I feel like 
I shouldn't trust X. I feel like. Notice when we add the word like to I feel, we'll end up with oftentimes an opinion, a thought, a belief system, but not a feeling. So you really want to slow down and ask yourself, okay, is that an actual feeling word? Right? You might have to ask yourself that several times to get to the actual feeling. There may be more than one. Maybe you feel shame and anger, both, right? You want to really get to one or two feeling words. And the more disconnected you are from yourself, the longer it will take you to get to actual feeling words. But you'll get there. When I say longer, I mean a few minutes. Okay, I'm not talking about you have to sit with this for weeks to find a feeling word. You just have to tolerate sitting with yourself and asking yourself, okay, but what is the feeling word for a few minutes? And you'll find them. You will find the feelings. So once you find the feelings, you then want to ask yourself, what does that feel like in my body? Because remember, emotions are just energy. They're sensations passing through your body, right? Again, for many of us that have been disconnected from ourselves for a long time, we may not feel anything in our bodies, Okay, when I first asked myself this question many years ago, I remember just feeling blah. Just empty, nothingness. Okay, if that happens to you, stay there and say, okay, where do I feel this blahness? Where do I feel this nothingness. Where do I feel that the most? Right? Because that blah nothingness is often our resistance to actually feeling. Right? Our body is not used to being asked that question. And it finds that kind of discombobulating and a little bit anxiety provoking. It doesn't know where you're going with this. Right? So it's going to put up a layer of nothingness. That's okay. We don't need to smash through it. We don't need to force anything. We just need to sit with that resistance. Recognize that it's just pure resistance. That's a normal human experience. And we can sit with the resistance because even resistance is a feeling. It is a sensation. And you can sit with that. And all you do, once you either find resistance or you find the actual emotion as a sensation, right? Maybe you notice that it is anxiety that you're feeling. And when you think about where you feel it in your body, maybe you feel it as a sort of a churning sensation in your stomach and your heart's beating a little faster. Great. Whatever you find, either the resistance 
or the actual emotion as a sensation in your body. Stay with that sensation. Just describe that sensation and sit with it as you would sit with a friend who is having a hard time. If a friend of yours was going through a difficult situation and you happen to be there, I'm guessing that you wouldn't be, you know, trying to tell them to feel better and cheer up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and come on, let's distract ourselves, right? You likely, being the good friend that you are, you likely would make space for that person's emotions and you would just sit next to them and show them that they're not crazy and it's okay and it will pass and you're going to be there. That's what you want to do with your own sensations. Describe them. Why? Because when you describe them, it fills your thinking mind with the descriptions of the sensations. Because if you don't fill it with something, that part of your brain will want to keep chattering with opinions about other people and about the event and about what they should have done and shouldn't have done and how terrible somebody is or how nice somebody is, right? It will want to chatter and fill your mind with thoughts and opinions and beliefs. So instead, we give it something better to chew on. And that is descriptions of the sensation. So let's say I had pinpointed anxiety and I noticed the churning and the heart beating fast. Now I sit with it and I describe that churning as if I'm sitting next to it as a friend, right? I'm just welcoming it. I'm making lots of space for it. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm not analyzing it. All I'm doing is just describing it. So I might say, hmm, it feels like there's, uh, it looks like a, the center of a tornado. And it feels like it's spinning. And it has a bluish tone to it. And it's light and heavy at the same time. It's light, as in it's moving really fast. But it's heavy, as in there's a lot that is stuck in that um, spiral, right? Uh, is there a temperature to it? Is it moving through the body or staying in one place? All I'm doing is giving my non-judgmental awareness and just noticing and being with the sensation. Okay. I make lots of room for it. That might look like taking deep breaths just to make a lot of room and space for it in my body. I might say to myself, this is what anxiety feels like in my body right now. And that's okay. This is what anger feels like right now in my body. And that's okay. 
this is what sadness feels like right now in my body. And that's okay. Notice how I'm using my mind and my body to make lots of space to describe it in great detail, to just sit with it, to allow it, and to remind myself that this is a sensation in my body right now. It's a human experience and that's okay. If you can do this for even a couple of minutes, literally two to three minutes, you'll notice that the waves start subsiding. It begins to calm. It begins to let go of the grip. It becomes a little lighter and a little less intense. That's how you process emotions. Okay. Now, once we have allowed a feeling to pass through, another feeling may come up because we might have suppressed a deeper emotion that's now having the freedom to come up. It also wants to move through you and be processed and be free. So you may have something else come up. Great. It's a gift. It's a gift. This trigger that happened when someone came in and called me a scarecrow was the gift that allowed me to unlock several layers of hurt and pain that I had stored up inside of me. What a tremendous gift, right? Because it is helping me evolve and heal. It's helping me shed layers of pain and suffering. It's helping me become the next and higher version of myself. This trigger, this person, this event, these words were the gift that I needed to let go and to release and to renew as a living, breathing human being. I need external input to remind myself of where my wounds are so that I can release them. That's why triggers are gifts. Unfortunately, many of us don't see the gift, the tremendous, beautiful gift that triggers can be. And instead, we end up displacing, suppressing, or distracting. Now, I want to leave you with an important caveat. The three ways that we might deal with triggers are not bad in and of themselves. Okay? So, for example... Let's say I was at a work meeting and someone called me a scarecrow. That's not the time for me to go off into my head or into my body even and fully process. I mean, you can get to that point. You can get to a point where you can process and allow the energy to move through you while you are doing something else, 
but that takes a lot of practice. And until then, you may temporarily need to distract yourself or suppress it or even go vent to a friend just so that you can manage that situation that you're in in the moment so that it's not bad per se. What can be harmful about them is if we reach for them as the only ways of dealing with feelings. So if you do that because you're at a work meeting, but you have the awareness that you want to go later and deal with the feeling itself, great. If you have that awareness, that's wonderful. You are now using one of those three mechanisms as a tool. And that's a good thing. But when the tool becomes the master, that's when you're in trouble. Okay, so I want to leave you with those three mechanisms can be useful tools for dealing with the situation in the moment. But you always want to make space. Every day, I have a 10 minute silence. 10 minutes of silence, and it sounds like a short period of time. Trust me, it feels like forever because we are not used to silence at all. We don't make space for silence and quiet at all. No wonder we're all so frantic. So I invite you to have at least one to two minutes. Start with just two minutes of silence every day. And during that two minutes, allow sensations to come up. And instead of getting caught up in the story about it, Stay with just finding the actual feeling word, finding the sensations in your body and making lots of space for it and describing it and telling yourself, reminding yourself, this is what X feels like. This is what this feeling feels like right now in my body. It's a human experience and that's okay. I can make lots of room for it. And you do that for at least two minutes a day, you will start noticing that you have a lot more flexibility and a lot more resilience when something doesn't go your way during the day. It will astound you how much resilience and flexibility and ease come from just sitting with yourself for two or three minutes in silence and doing this process every day. So my friend, you will get triggered today. Absolutely. Because you're a human being and that's how life gives you the gift of knowing where it is that you need to heal and shed layers of pain and suffering. I hope you get triggered today. I hope you have that gift given to you today. And I hope you take the time, the few minutes, to actually process it. So that you can feel lighter and meet life fully more and more every day. All right, my friends, I hope you found that helpful. Um, if you did, please 
hit subscribe, share the podcast with a friend um, who might who might enjoy it, and leave us a review. It helps Apple give us a higher ranking, which means other people find it easy. So subscribe, share with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you, and I'll see you next week. Mwah.